Did you bring a Bible with you today? Did you bring a Bible? Hold it up for me. Do me a favor, close it and put it under your seat. Would you do that for me this morning? Would you put your Bible under your chair today? No, I'm not going to be preaching from some other book. I, I, if you're worried if I don't have any scriptures, don't worry. I, brother, I got scriptures. I got more than enough scriptures. Uh, but in seeking the Lord about this this morning, got unique instruction today about that. And uh, don't worry, everything we look at from the scripture will be on the screen for you. But um, I'm going to ask you to listen this morning, not just with your head or your natural ears, but I'm going to do my best today to speak to your heart. And of course, from doing that, the best I know how, to the, the best of the ability the Lord's given us, to do that on a weekly basis. But there's some things that the Lord dealt with me on just in the last few days that are, that are such matters of the heart. And I know you and you know me sometimes, man, we love the word so much and we love the study of the word. And, and it's easy to get to the place where it's like, oh, the, the scriptures and, and, and what does this one say? And what does that one say? Mm, Leviticus 21. And, you know, you get, you kind of can get to a place if you're not careful that it becomes like a heady thing. You know what I mean? It can become cerebral and I'm not telling you not to use your head, but man, this book's alive. And it's speaking not just to the head, but to the heart. So today, can we just be in agreement together that our hearts will hear, our hearts will receive what he wants for us. So again, we'll have plenty of scriptures for you, but I'm going to ask you to listen with your heart. In the book of Colossians chapter two, and, and like I said, this will be on the screen. This is a verse we've been looking at together for several weeks. And man, I have gotten excited about this verse of scripture. It's done so much for me personally. And I pray it's doing the same thing for you. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, in verse 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. That's been the name of the series that we've been on together for the last several weeks, established in the faith. Now, this word established, we're, we're, our attention's drawn to it because this is something the Lord said he wanted to do for us as a church family coming into this year that's now almost nine months over. He said, uh, according to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, that the God of all grace would perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And these are the things we're believing the Lord to do in our lives and we see this mentioned here in Colossians 2 again, that as you've received Christ Jesus, if you'll keep walking in him, or in other words, if you'll keep doing the, the, the very thing that you got born again by, if you'll keep applying that to your life every single day, eventually you will become rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. This is one of our goals, one of our our personal goals for you and uh, as the family of this church, we want to see you coming into this place week after week after week and hearing a word and receiving the word and becoming doers of the word so much to the point where you become established in your faith. And one of the things we're seeing throughout scripture is that as good and as wonderful and as glorious as it is to receive Jesus and make him the Lord of your life. I mean, it's eternity altering, life changing to say the least. That salvation day 
as wonderful as it is, if you don't keep walking in that, you will not be rooted. You will not be built up. And you will not be established in the faith. These things don't happen on day one. They happen as you continue to walk in him. Now, why are we interested in being rooted? Because the deeper your roots go, the harder you are to uproot. The harder you are when the storm begins to blow, and it will blow. But Jesus said, when you're founded on that rock, the rock of not just being a hearer of the word, but being a doer of it. When your life is built on that foundation, let the rain fall, let the wind blow, let the floods rise. And when it's all over, that house will still be standing there. Praise God. This is why we need to be interested in being rooted. Why do we care about being built up? Huh? Because the, the greater you're built up, the stronger you are, the harder you are to knock over. You can come up here and give me a good shove and yeah, it might do something. I'll go flying across this platform and, and fall on my back. But you get some guy up here who's about, I don't know, six foot, 18 inches tall and, you know, 350 pounds and just muscle upon muscle. Give him the same shove you gave me. Probably not going to have the same effect. What's the difference? Built up. Anybody else interested in getting built up to the point where you become very hard to knock over? Why, why care so much about being established in the faith, being established in your faith? Because your faith, the Bible says, is more precious than gold. And if you're wondering, number one, if you have an enemy, you do. His name is the devil. He's real. He exists. And what he's after is your faith. He knows how precious your faith is. He knows your faith is your connection to God. He knows your faith is how you fellowship with God Almighty. He knows your faith is how you believe God, how you receive from God. And if he can rob you of it, then he can rob you of all of that. Your fellowship, your relationship, he can rob you of receiving from God. So is there anybody else interested in being not just saved by faith, but established in the faith? But the more established you become, the harder you are to rob, the harder you are to deceive, the harder you are to fool. So rooted, built up and established in the faith. This is what we've been focused on for the last several weeks. We've talked about being established on the course that God has called and created us to live our lives on. And going back all the way to the beginning of the series, we saw it from the word of God that really there's only two roads anybody can walk in this life. I know it looks like you got a bunch of different choices. I know it looks like there's about 101 different paths that you could take. But when it really gets down to it, and if you're looking at the scriptures, you're going to find there's really only two. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. But right on the other hand, the psalmist said it like this. You show me, talking to the Lord, the path of life. So what are the two roads that you can be found on? Life and death. There is a road that leads to death and destruction. There is a road, a path that leads to life. Jesus himself said it. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, he said, Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. He said, many are they that find it. Why is that road so wide? It has to be. 
For as many people that walk that road, I mean, you are talking about the vast majority of the population of the planet is on that road. It's got to be a nice wide road, he said, but it leads to destruction. On the other hand, he talked about a different road and a different gate. He said, narrow is the gate. Narrow is the way that leads to life. Few are those who find it. He gave you one other word to describe that road. And he said, it's difficult. He said, it's hard. And I think a lot of people have misunderstood what Jesus said by that too. They took it to mean, well, you know, this Christian life, it's a hard life. It's a hard life full of sacrifice. It's a hard life full of hard things. But if you study some of these words, you're going to find out that's not what Jesus was talking about. When he used that word hard, it's the same word throughout the New Testament used in connection to persecution, to pressure, tribulation, and affliction. He was not referring to anything that he redeemed you from on the cross. He's not talking about the Christian life being hard because there's sickness on it or because there's lack on it or because there's depression on it or because there's no joy or peace on it. That's not, that's not the hard he was talking about. The hard thing that he was referring to is the constant pressure you face on this road to get off this road. Are you hearing me this morning? There is pressure from your enemy and there is pressure from an unbelieving world. You're on this narrow road that leads to life and your enemy wants you on the wide road that leads to death. And so there's pressure on this road. And how we need to be quick to realize that so much of life and decisions we make in life oftentimes come down to the difference between what is right and what is easy. The difference between what is right and what is easy. Have you ever heard of the path of least resistance? There are people right now looking for that road. That's the road they want to be on, the path of least resistance. But this road that you and I are called to walk, you need to be made aware. There's some resistance on it. And the resistance we face is a constant resistance from our enemy, a resistance from the unbelieving world. But what do we do when he pushes? You know, you know what we do? Push back. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Man, I like that one, don't you? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. He's not okay with you and I being established on a course in this life that leads to life. A, a, a course in this life. I, I like what the psalmist said. He said of God, he said, your paths drip with abundance. Woo. Come on, somebody. Your paths drip with abundance. Your enemy's not okay with that. So you resist. I want to look at another scripture this morning. And this is from the book of 1 Thessalonians. Anybody been reading in the book of 1 Thessalonians this week? You're going, why would I do that? Because as a church family... We read a chapter from the New Testament every single day, Monday through Friday. And right now we are in the book of First Thessalonians. So if you haven't been doing that, I want you to pick back up with us. We've got uh, bookmarks and cards somewhere. We can get those to you. Uh, it's also online, legacychurch.family. Our Bible reading schedule's online. And we've been in the book of First Thessalonians this week. And I read this um, 
in chapter 3, just a couple of days ago, and listen to how much this has to do with what we've been talking about. In 1 Thessalonians 3, uh, verse 1, this will be on the screen for you. Are you listening with your heart right now? Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you. We sent him to establish you. No, 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 this next word. And encourage you concerning your faith. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Without taking the whole time to read what's before and after this. As we've been going through this chapter this week. Or this book this week and on into next week. Something's been hitting me about it in a, in a fresh way. In a way I hadn't seen. And the thing I've loved so much is as I read I can just pick up on the genuine love that Paul had for these people. And if you back up into chapter 2, he wrote to them and he's talking about how thankful he was for them. Specifically, he said, when we came to you and we preached to you, he said, you received it. They did what? Received, received it. As you have received Christ Jesus. So walk in him. He said, we came to you and you received it, he said, but you didn't receive it as the words of mere men. You received it as the word of God that works in those who believe. And this is one of the things that Paul was so grateful for about this group of people. He said, man, we preached to you and we brought the gospel message to you. We, talked, we told you who Jesus was and who he is and, and what he's done and what he's accomplished. But instead of sitting there going, all this religious stuff, all this stuff these people just make up. Oh, everybody's got a different idea. Instead of hearing it as the word of men, they heard it and they received it as the word of God. He said, which it is in truth. He's talking about when they made Jesus the Lord of their lives. But one of the things as you look throughout the scriptures, the book of Acts and then the writings of Paul to the churches, one of the things you see that he loved to do was go to a place, preach there, start something there, leave, then come back. He, he liked to come back and, and do what? He liked to get them rooted. He liked to build them up. He liked to see them established. And as you read this book, you can see this is exactly what's going on. And even in this second chapter, Paul wrote to them and said, we have tried to get back to you. He said, we have wanted to come see you, but Satan hindered us. Do you hear what we're connecting the dots here? On this road, we've got some resistance. He said, there's literally been satanic resistance that's kept me from getting back to you. But you get down here to chapter 3, verse 1. You hear it in the tone of his voice where he says, we couldn't take it anymore. Isn't that what he said? Therefore, we could no longer endure it. We thought it'd be good to left alone, be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother, minister of God, fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to do what? To establish you. In other words, these are people 
that have received Jesus, they received the word. Now what needs to happen? Now they got to be rooted. Now they've got to be built up. Now they need to be established. And this is what Paul was trying so hard to get back into their presence to do. But he's got all this resistance to it. He's looking for a way and there's no way there. There's no way there. And finally said, I'm done with this. Timothy, go, man. I'm sending you to establish them. But did you notice what was connected to them being established? Put that back up there on the screen for us. First Thessalonians chapter three, verse one. Look at what's connected to them being established. Do we have that again, guys? We could no longer endure it. We thought it good to be left in Athens alone. Keep going. We sent Timothy, our brother, minister of God, fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Keep going. To establish and, and encourage. To establish and encourage you concerning your faith. He goes on to say, so that none of you would be shaken by these afflictions. What afflictions? It's what Paul was going through. He said, I don't want you to be shaken by what I'm dealing with. And we have a tendency to let that happen sometimes. To look to the men and women of God that he's put in our lives. And all of a sudden we see them going through something. And it has a tendency to discourage our faith. We think, well, gosh, you know, if, if they're going through that, if they got a bad diagnosis or they've got an affliction or they've got trouble, it, it tries to get in us and discourage us. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if your beloved preacher preached God's willingness and ability to heal every day of their lives and they get sick with something, that does not discredit the word of God. Or, or in reference to what Paul's talking about, afflictions and persecution. Don't you get discouraged because some man or woman of God in your life is going through something difficult? Don't get shaken in that. And Paul said, I had to get back to you. I didn't want you to be shaken. I wanted you to be established and encouraged. Encouraged. There comes times in every one of our lives we need encouragement. I said we need encouragement. And you never come to the place in your life where you're like, okay, I've got too much encouragement. No more, I'm good. No, we need it. We need it. Um, thank you, Lord. There also comes time in our lives where there is no way forward except faith. There's no way out, whatever it is you're in, except faith in God. And if you've never experienced that before, let me tell you, it's coming. We all step up to those crossroads. Either I'm giving up or I'm pressing forward in faith. And those are those critical times in our lives where we've got to have some encouragement. Some encouragement. And the word itself, encourage, it literally means to put courage in, to have courage on the inside, to encourage someone, you know this without me telling you, it means to give support or advice to someone, but listen to this, 
to give them support so that they will do or continue to do something. This is what I want to talk about this morning. The courage to carry on. Because we're on a road. And if we're on the road God's called us to be on, there's abundance on this path. There's life on this path. There's life where we're headed. But there's also resistance. And there comes a time, if you're going to stay established on this path, then you're going to have to have some encouragement to keep going, keep going, keep going. It's the courage to carry on. When God spoke to Joshua in the book of Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1 starts like this. God speaking to Joshua saying, Moses, my servant is dead. That's a way to wake up on a, on a Monday morning. This, this leader you've been following your whole life, who you've been serving, he's dead, he's gone. And God starts talking to this man about taking this nation across the Jordan into the promised land. And in just a few verses in Joshua chapter 1, you know what God said to him? Be strong. Be strong and be, you remember what else? Courageous. Be strong, be of good courage, for the Lord your God is with you. A few verses later, you know what he said? Be strong and be courageous. A few verses later, you know what he said? Have I not said to you, be strong and of good courage. Now, you think this just sounds like a pep talk. But man, you got to be careful. When God starts using this little word, be, stuff happens. I'm thinking back early, like Genesis 1 early. When God looked into the emptiness, the darkness, and the void, and he said what? Light be. What happened? Light bead. There was light everywhere. Because God starts using this word, be. You know what he's saying to Joshua? Courage be. Putting some courage on the inside of this man. Putting some strength on the inside of this man. Why? Because he needs some. He's up. He's next in line. He's the one that's got to take a million or two people across this Jordan River into this land full of giants. And he needs some encouragement. He needs some courage stirred up on the inside of him. He needs some courage put on the inside of him to take the road that God had called him to take. And that's why God's saying, courage be. Courage be. I'm looking at you this morning. You know what I'm saying? Courage be. Be encouraged. Be strong. Be strengthened. And it's not just today. This is what I want happening every day. Every time you dare to darken the doorway of this church. I want you coming in and then leaving with some fresh courage on the inside of you. Some encouragement. That it, 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 it's, like, it's like gas in the tank of your car to help you keep going. I mean, what do you need if you're on a road trip across the country? And you start off with a full tank. And you get, I don't know, four or five hours into the trip. And you see that gauge drop down to E. And you just start weeping and crying. Why? Because we're, we're not even halfway there. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. What do you need? You just need a little gas. You just need a little fuel in the tank. That's all you need. And when you put a little fuel in that tank, what can you do now? You can keep 
going. This is what courage is. It's what enables us to carry on. Keep going. Um, listen to this from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me read a few verses to you here. And then I'm going to read this from the New American Bible. The revised edition reads like this, starting in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and God of all encouragement. He's the God of encouragement. Who encourages us in our every affliction. So that we may be able to encourage those who are in any affliction. With the encouragement with which we ourselves are encouraged by God. For as Christ's sufferings overflow to us, so through Christ does our encouragement also overflow. If we are afflicted, it is for your encouragement and salvation. If we are encouraged, it is for your encouragement, which enables you to endure the same sufferings that we suffer. It's encouragement, he said, that enables you to endure. It's the encouragement that enables you to keep going. It's the courage to carry on. Now, how many times in just a few verses did he talk about encouragement? The God of all encouragement who encourages us. Why? So we can encourage you. And we can encourage you with the same encouragement that he used to encourage us. And as sufferings overflow, that's okay. Encouragement overflows. And if we're suffering, it's for your encouragement. And if we're encouraged, it's also for your encouragement. So that you, when you're under pressure, can keep going. You can be encouraged to carry on. Is there a theme here? Absolutely. The courage to carry on. Now here's the question I want to ask and answer this morning. Since every one of us are going to come to this place in our lives, whether we're at it now or tomorrow or in the days to come, well, we're going to have to have this courage. If we are going to be established in our faith, and if we're going to come to the end of our lives and say like Paul, I have finished my race, I have run my course, and I have kept my faith. In other words, I didn't let it get stolen from me. I wasn't robbed of my faith. I held on to it all the way to the end. I'm telling you, at some point, you're going to need some encouragement. Every one of us need encouragement. So here's the question. Where do we get it? Where do we get it? Now, here's what I've discovered this week that so ministered to me. When Paul was writing to the Thessalonians and he talked about sending Timothy for the purpose of establishing and encouraging them, I looked up the word encourage and it's the word parakaleo, the Greek word parakaleo. And the word itself, this is what's so cool. I want this word to paint a picture for you. The word literally means to call alongside to call near, to call to one side for the purpose of comforting. And actually other translations use the word comfort. Paul said, I'm, I'm sending him to establish you in your faith and to comfort you in your faith. Parakaleo, to call to one side. Isn't that a picture of what he did here? I'm sending Timothy. This is not a Hallmark, I was thinking of you card. This is not a gift basket full of snacks and an edible fruit arrangement. He sent a human being, a flesh and blood person to their side. I'm sending him to you. I'm calling him to your side with the purpose of establishing you and encouraging you in your faith. 
Well, what's so cool about this? That Greek word parakaleo, it's the exact same word used to talk about the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said to his disciples in John 14, 15, and 16, he said, I'm sending you another helper. Some translations say, I'm sending you another comforter. It's the word paraclete or parakaleo, the Holy Spirit. Is he not the one called alongside to help, to stand by you, to intercede, to be your advocate, to be your strengthener, to be your comforter, to be your encourager? Where are we going to get this encouragement? Well, he's the God of all encouragement. And when Jesus was saying this to his disciples in John 14, 15, 16, you got to go back and read it because from this point of history, looking back, it's pretty funny. I got to imagine standing there then it wasn't funny at all because Jesus is telling these guys, I'm leaving and they did not take it well. They started crying. That's why Jesus had to say to them in John 14, verse one, let not your heart be troubled. Study it for yourself. It actually, he actually said, stop it. Stop letting your heart be troubled. And that's when he began to talk to them. I'm going away. And if I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house, there's many mansions. If it were not so, I would not, I wouldn't have told you, but it is so. And I am going. And you know what they said? Where are you going? Don't go, don't go, don't go. And it was in that same chapter that he began to talk to them about the helper, the paraclete, the parakaleo, the one called alongside, the comforter. And we've called the Holy Spirit the comforter, but do you know that we could just as easily call him the encourager? That's his name. That's his name. And really those two things work together. If it's real comfort, if somebody has really come to comfort you, do you know what you get from that? encouragement. See, we've thought of comfort as, you know, just a a hand around the shoulder and, and you're sad. So I'll be sad. And and real comfort has some encouragement in it. The Holy spirit is yes. He's the helper. Yes. He's the comforter. He's the encourager. I said, he's the encourager. And this is why Jesus had to say to them, I've told you I'm leaving and sorrow has filled your heart. But it was in the same breath that he said, you know what, guys, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go, the encourager won't come. But if I do go, I can send the encourager to you. Do you know that right now where you sit at this very moment, you've got encouragement on the inside of you? You've got living, breathing, ever ready encouragement there anytime you need it. This is his own job, man. The Holy Ghost has a job description. You want to know what it is? To encourage you, to speak courage into you, to encourage you, keep going, carry on. Amen. The Holy Spirit, where do we get the kind of courage we need to carry on? Well, he's the God of all courage or the God of all encouragement who's given us the, not a, the encourager. We've got the encourager living on the inside of us. Where else do we get this encouragement? This one might come as a surprise to you. From yourself. From yourself. Now this is in connection to the encourager living in you. 
But there are times when you have got to be the source of your encouragement. There was a time in the Old Testament where David and his mighty men went to fight the enemy. And when they came home to Ziklag, they found that their town and their homes had been burned. Their wives and their children all taken captive. And man, it looked like everything was gone and lost. And the Bible says that David and his, man, his men began to weep until they could weep no more. You ever cried that hard? Have you ever cried so hard and so long that you just ran out of tears? This is how these men, these mighty men of valor and battle are crying and weeping. And they got so discouraged. They were so beside themselves, depressed, that the Bible says they actually sought to stone David. And this is what happens when people get this defeated. They're looking for somebody to blame. They're looking for, for a place to shift the blame to. And oftentimes it goes right to the leader. But you know what David did? He got alone by himself. And the Bible says he encouraged himself in the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the encourager. But church, listen to me. There are times in our lives when you've got to grab your own self by your own ear, drag yourself out of bed, get up out of that room, turn on some lights, open the shades, look in the mirror and say, you are not going to fail. You are not going to fall. You are not defeated. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. What are you doing? Encouraging yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you got to be the one that puts the fuel in the tank. You got to be the one that gets some courage stirred up on the inside of you. And I don't care if you got to stand there looking in that mirror and stretch your hands to the guy looking at the mirror and say, courage be strength be anybody ever stood there before? Where you have had to encourage yourself in the Lord. Why would you have to encourage yourself? Because everybody in your life is about to stone you. Because <laughs> everybody in your life or your family or where you work, they have got rock in hand, man. And they are looking for somebody to blame. But instead of locking yourself away, hiding yourself away because the pressure is too much. And instead of taking a, a step off of one road and onto the other... Get in there and start encouraging yourself in the Lord. This is why we tell you to read your chapter every single day. This is like pouring fuel into the tank. This is where you get the courage to carry on. So where do we get the kind of courage we need? When we stand at these crossroads under pressure, do I continue on in faith? Do I back off in fear? Hmm? Where do we get this courage? Well, number one, the encourager. The Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. We've got to learn to look inside. Which means we're not looking to the outside. We're not looking to things that we can see. We're not looking to circumstances to change before we get some courage. We're not looking for things on the outside to, to look good so that we can be encouraged. We're looking on the inside. We are God inside minded. Looking to the encourager himself. To Encourage to strengthen. 
Where else do we get this courage? We look to ourselves. Now, I'm not saying you're the source of it. This is in connection to the encourager living in you, but you're going to have to give voice to it. You're going to have to stir it up on the inside. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, stir up the gift that's in you. That word stir up, it's the Greek word anazopereo. It literally means to put fuel on the fire, to stir up the fire. He said, Timothy, you're letting your fire go out, boy. Come on, stir it up. Stir up some fire about you. Stir up some passion. Stir up some zeal. Why do we have to be told that? Because it's so easy to let it go out. Have you noticed that, that, a, that a high pitch excitement and passion and zeal and fervor can be hard to maintain? Man, you get excited about something and it can be hard to live that excited about it for a long time. Day one, you might be excited. You remember day one of falling in love? Oh, baby, I do. Woo! I met Sarah Hart Wednesday night, March 7th, 2007 in Branson, Missouri. I came home to Fort Worth, Texas and walked into my best friend's house. And I walked straight into his living room and said, I'm in love. I'm in love. And I don't care who knows it. Passion, excitement, zeal. But how many people over the years, you know, you let that flame go out or, or maybe it's an excitement for a new endeavor, a job or, or even a ministry. But it's easy to let passion die out. It's easy to let excitement go away. What do you do when it does? Stir it up. Stir it up. Put some fuel on the fire. Stir it up. Encourage yourself in the Lord. But then finally, I want to give you one more place that we get this courage from. We get it from the encourager living inside of us. We get it from our own words of faith, staring ourselves in the mirror. You know where else we get encouragement and the courage to carry on? Look around you. From each other. And this is what I wanted to say to you this morning. You and I are a channel, are supposed to be a channel of constant encouragement to each other. I don't think we know it. How many times a day we come across somebody who's about to give up. You stand face to face with somebody who's just inches away from quitting, thrown in the towel, either quitting a marriage or quitting a job or quitting a church or quitting God himself. And people, they've developed a way of hiding it. They dress it up. And they present this got it all togetherness. But a a spiritually perceptive person, even if you don't look into it and know all the details about what's going on, a spiritually perceptive person, a person with an open heart to God, a willing vessel will let the encourager speak through them. And if you're sensitive to it, just a word of encouragement can put just enough gas in the tank that somebody, instead of quitting, they carry on. What did he say? He said, the God of all encouragement has encouraged us so that we can encourage you. This is our calling, church. 
This is what we're called and created to do and to be for each other. Christians should be the most encouraged and the most encouraging people on the planet. Being an encourager is some of the best evidence of being full of the Holy Spirit and being full of faith. I grew up in Texas and it was almost customary. As a child, you learned to sing the song, Home, Home on the Range. What does the verse of that song say? Where never is heard, or I think they say it, where seldom is heard a discouraging word. Well, I'm declaring it over you and over this church. Legacy Church, where never is heard a discouraging word. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which we'll get to in this week in our Bible reading, verse 11, he says, encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's the New Living Translation. You're familiar with other translations that says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Why? I mean, we've got technology now. Anyone in this room could have stayed in bed all day long. And you could have joined us online. And we have an awesome online congregation. I know we've got people watching this morning from Canada. We've got people watching from South Africa. We get comments from people from Nepal. We get people joining us from all over the place. But as a local body, I mean, here you are in our area. You could have stayed home. But you know, you, you know what you can't do from home? Encourage somebody else. That's what you can do. You could have heard the word. Yeah. And that's a good thing. You could have heard the word. You could have joined us in worship. You could have even given. We've got lots of ways to, to give online. But what you couldn't do, that you can only do when you assemble together, is look somebody in the eye and say, you know what? You're going to make it. It's okay. Look somebody else and, and look at them and speak into their heart and say, everything in God is going to be all right. I want to encourage you today. You don't get that opportunity. Do you forsake not the assembling of yourselves together so that when you get together, you can encourage each other. Um, thank you, Lord. Go to the book of wealth. You've got your Bible on your chair in the book of Acts. Listen to this from uh, Acts chapter four, verse 36. I'll read this to you from the Passion Translation. Acts 4, 36 and 37. Do we have that, guys? Passion, there it is. It says, for example, there was a Levite from Cyprus named Joseph who sold his farmland and placed the proceeds at the feet of the apostles. And they nicknamed him Barnabas or encourager. New King James and other translations say son of encouragement. A lot of people get nicknames that are derivative, derivatives of their actual name. You know, Jeremy, sometimes I get called Jer, something like that. Sarah calls me Jay. How'd they get from Joseph to Barnabas? <laughs> well, the, the word Barnabas literally means son 
of encouragement. They nicknamed this guy the encourager. Now, where did he get that nickname? Well, look at what the verse said. He had this plot of land. And the Spirit of God moved on him and other people in the church at that time. He went and sold it and brought all the money from it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Evidently, it encouraged them. Our giving, our giving is a way we encourage each other. And I'm not just talking about what you do in the offerings. I will tell you, as you've sown into the church, it has been a big encouragement. It's a huge encouragement to Sarah, to I, to our team, to everything the Lord's called us to do. But church, there ought to be money flying all over this place. And I'm not just talking about into buckets. I'm talking about in the parking lot. I'm talking about in the lobby, in the hallway. I wouldn't care if money was getting passed down the road during service. Just people encouraging each other, encouraging each other, encouraging each other. And you never know when the Lord says to you, you know that, that $20 bill you got just hanging out in your wallet? Yeah. I want you to take it and go put it in their hand. Why? Doesn't sound like a lot. You don't know. I said, you don't know what kind of encouragement that can be to somebody else. What they're believing God for. What they're trusting God for. Our giving is an encouragement. This guy got nicknamed son of encouragement. And you read about him again later in the book of Acts chapter 11. It says the hand of the Lord was with them. A great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent out Barnabas. They sent out the encourager. To go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them. That shouldn't come as a surprise. What did the encourager do when he showed up? He just started encouraging people. He encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue. They should carry on. What does encouragement do? It puts strength in you to keep going. He encouraged them that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. One of the biggest evidences that somebody is full of the Holy Spirit is they are constantly encouraging. Constantly encouraging. I don't know what it got to with this guy Barnabas, but he evidently got such a reputation that they completely changed his identity. There's probably a couple of people standing in the church talking and Barnabas comes walking. They're like, watch this. I bet you five bucks he encourages you. Just watch. Just, just, just watch. Barnabas walks up. Hey, everybody. Hey, oh, man, you're looking good today. You're looking fit. You're looking strong. You're working out. You sure look like you're working out. Encouragement. You owe me five bucks. But think about that. That sounds silly, right? Are you working out? Has anybody ever said to you, Hey, you're looking good. You working out? Just that one little word, especially if you have been, what's that make you want to do? Run straight back to the gym. Somebody said I'm looking good. It's encouragement to carry on. Encouragement to keep going. I believe I'm looking this morning at sons and daughters of encouragement. There are people in your church family sitting next to you down the row. That needs some encouragement to be established on the course in this life of faith. They need some encouragement. 
Thank you, Lord. Oh, there's so much here, guys. Thank you, Father. I'm thinking back through the years, the things and the people that have been such an encouragement to Sarah and to me and told us, keep going, guys. You can do it. We believe in you. When we started our ministry, we left good paying jobs. I mean, it was the most either of us had ever made in our lives up to that point. And we stepped out in faith to do what we believe the Lord had called us to do, to to begin traveling to other churches and other ministries. And what I didn't really realize about it then and what I realize now is that this is what the Lord was calling us to do. Go, just like Timothy went. Like others throughout the New Testament, they'd go to a place And the Lord would send us to a place, whether it's another state or another country. And really what he was saying is, go help them get established. Go encourage them. And how could we do that, though, if there weren't those who were encouraging us? And I know our decision. I know it kind of caught our families off guard a little bit, especially our moms and dads. I'll never forget where we were when I told Sarah's mom, who's in heaven now. Told her we were in Arkansas. We had gone to preach at another church. We'd been invited, and we were still on staff at uh, my grandparents' ministry at the time. And we were in the car on the way to the church. And I remember telling Sarah's mom, I was so excited. I said, "Hey, in uh, in September, I'm quitting my job at KCM, and we're going full time into our own ministry." <laughs> and Sarah was pregnant with their first grandbaby, <laughs> and I just remember the look on her face. She's like, oh, okay. (laughs) But never was heard a discouraging word. I don't know if they felt like we were out of our minds or doing the right thing, especially initially. But you know what? They got behind us. Actually, I should say they came alongside us. They said, well, whatever you're doing, we want to be a part of it. And began to sow into our lives. I remember sitting in what was going to be Justice Room. He wasn't born yet. My dad had come over and he was helping me put the crib together. I said, Dad, we're going to step out. We're going into our own ministry. It's like, oh. Okay, okay, okay. And I could tell. I could tell when I said it. That as a father, it's like my son is my son and my daughter-in-law and my grandson that's coming. They, they can be okay. They're gonna be all right. They're gonna do what we've taught them to do. But as much maybe trepidation as there was in his voice, you go back and check the records today. He's one of the first partners we ever had in our ministry. He encouraged us. You can do it. And I remember the first few days in our own ministry, and. We didn't have many partners to speak of. And you've heard me tell the story before about going to the ministry mailbox to see what was there and, and uh, how I learned early on. You can't go every day. <laughs> it's discouraging. You got to give it time. Let it build up. And so I'd go maybe once a week and it'd build up to two or three, maybe four letters or something. And I'd bring the letters home and Sarah and I would sit. We'd sit at our little kitchen table, that little house. It was just the two of us. Justice is a few months old, and we just open up letters from people we didn't know. 
And the Lord had put it on somebody's heart in another state across the, the nation to get on board with us. Had they even know us? Had they even know what we were doing? It was a miracle. And they'd say, here's $50. Go do it. Go preach. And we'd sit at that table. We'd just cry. It was so overwhelming. It was such encouragement. It was, at that time, literally fuel in the tank. Bread on the table. And I got to tell you the way, our, like I said, our families and our elders came alongside us and said, you can do it, boy. You can do it, girl. Go do what he's called you to do. When we decided it was time to start this place, folks, we didn't have money for this. We didn't have money for this kind of place, this kind of building. But we're faith kids, right? You don't look at what you got. You look at the God who supplies. And we knew we had gotten a word from him. We knew we had direction. One of our elders invited us to speak at their church in another state, another ministry. Said, hey, we want to help you guys. Come, come tell the church about it. They want to get behind you. So we preached that night and gave the vision of the church. This was years ago. Before we got here, we still lived in Texas. And after service that night, we went to the back room. We sat down with this man of God who we love, who's been a, been a father in the faith to us. They said, they said, we want to sow a million dollars into the start of this thing. You talk about encouragement. I said, you talk about encouragement. Oh, we left that night. We flew home that night. Nowhere near quitting. <laughs> nowhere near it. Why? Because we just got fuel poured into our tanks and the fact that it came from somebody, an elder somebody who believed in us somebody who said we're not just behind you we're beside you comforting, encouraging strengthening and so much of the time it's not even the amount, it's the heart that's in it you and I are called to encourage don't ever ask the Lord again, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? What am I called to do? Start with the things the word says you're called to. You're called to encourage. I said you're called to encourage. You want to you know one of the best ways we can encourage? Yes, with our words. Yes, with our gifts, even finances and, and other things. You can encourage somebody just by coming alongside them and helping them. They're physically doing something. You step in there and take some of the burden of it. You can be a help. But one of the best ways that you encourage anybody, you want to know what it is? Be there. Just be there. Even the, the Apostle Paul, who God used in such massive ways, you look back through his life through the book of Acts and his other writings, and man, he went through some stuff. Stuff. You talk about pressure on the road. This is somebody who'd been in prison. This is somebody who got beaten. This is somebody who got stoned. And I'm not talking about the kind they get in Colorado. I'm talking about they throw rocks at your head trying to kill you. This is somebody 
who'd been run out of town. This is somebody who'd been shipwrecked. This is somebody who spent two weeks just out on a boat and never thought he'd see the light of day again and bobbing up and down in the middle of the ocean. This is somebody who got washed up on shore. This is somebody who got snake bit when he got washed up on shore. He went through some stuff. But you know, the Bible says in the book of Acts 28 that when he left Malta, they got on a boat and they left there and they got to another city and they got some things there and they got to another city and another city. And then finally they got to a place and the Bible says there was some believers there. And the Bible says they came to him. And when he saw them, he took courage. When he saw them, he worshiped God, the Bible says, and he took courage. Just their presence After going through what he'd been through, it was just so good to be with family. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. You're dealing with something, a family thing, some, some, I don't know what, some loss, some disaster, some something that's just been hard on you. And you look up and somebody comes walking through the door. You didn't even know they were in town. You didn't even know they were there. And they came just to sit with you, just to be with you. Just to encourage you. There was a friend of ours years ago who got it on his heart to start a church in another state. And we were in our ministry and he's starting his church. And I'll never forget this. He started his church in a band room, a junior high band room at a local high school, a local junior high. And one of his first Sundays, the first Sunday we could, Sarah and I got on our airplane at the time flew across the country, not to go preach in his church, not to go minister there, just to sit. And we sat in that little junior high band room while he preached to his brand new baby church. And I remember the Lord put that on our heart. Just go. Just showing up. It'll be an encouragement to him. It'll be an encouragement that says, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. We're called to encourage. Amen. Amen. Would you stand on your feet with me? Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.